I was writing my dissertation and going to a full-time internship at a super prestigious place. And I wasn't keeping up with standards. And I felt like a total failure and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. I knew I was always behind in my notes, but I was like, what's wrong? Like, why can't I just figure this out? And I got so sad. I couldn't keep up and it was horrible. I remembered that my psychologist had maybe six years before been like, have you ever considered ADHD? And I'm like, no, 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 I don't have that. I'm smart. ADHD Rewired episode 174. This is the show designed for those of us with really good intentions, but a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and speaker. The website is ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me tell you about this. Hey everyone, just a really quick announcement. I'll try uh, to be to be brief here. Um, so it's moving week this week, and I I'm up to my neck in boxes and bubble wrap, and uh, and I've been a little bit overwhelmed. And this week I uh, I just don't have uh, uh, enough time to get everything that I need to get done. Um, so I would love to give you some updated information about the coaching group um, because registration is just around the corner. But I don't really have time to write an ad and then record it right now and get it edited. So just go to coachingrewired.com for updated information and you can schedule a call with me there. Um, registration uh, is in July. I'm not even looking at any of my notes. Just go to the go to the website uh, to learn more. Um, and also this episode is a um, sort of in honor of Gay Pride Month, which is this June. Um, I'm not going to really say much more about that. I'll let the uh, the story and the interview tell itself. I don't know how many of you listening right now happen to catch uh, my son, Gibson, and I. Uh, we did a live Facebook stream uh, last week. Um, it was sort of just an impromptu thing, and it, it got a really big response. Um, and part so Gibson and I, my son is almost uh, six years old. He'll be six in August. And he's a pretty cool, quirky, smart kid. And um, one of the things that we decided, you know, Gibson and I, every Saturday, we come to my office and we record the Gibson and Eric show. Now, no one's ever heard this podcast, but Gibson really wants it released. So what we're going to be doing is uh, for our patrons, if you support us on Patreon, um, as soon as we reach $150 a month or 25 patrons, at Patreon, we are going to release the first episode of the Gibson and Eric show. Right now, we are doing a science series, and um, it sounds a little bit like this. I'm going to give you just a little bit of a teaser. I will give you a little bit more at the very end of the uh, episode, but if you want to hear more of it, come over to Patreon at patreon.com slash ADHD rewired. So here is uh, the Gibson and Eric show. Science time. All right. I feel like there should be like some kind of cool like background music that like comes in when you say science time. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do science. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do science. All right. So science. What so, is science? Do you know what science is? Well, I think I know what science is. I want to know if you know what I'm science talking, is. I'm talking to the audience. 
you're talking to the audience. I'll tell you more of what he said. We, he talked about what a theory is. He's probably one of the coolest definitions that I've ever heard for what a theory is. And he talks about how we're all made of star stuff. Me, you, and, and apple pie. And, uh, and some other really funny and fun things. And he also tells me that I might die. So um, tune in to that to the very end of the episode. And if you want to hear us release full episodes, they're about 15 to 20 minutes long. Um, support us on Patreon. Go to erictivers.com slash no, wait, that's the wrong link. Go to patreon.com slash ADHD rewired. As soon as we hit either $150 a month or 25 patrons, we will release our first episode. And please support us because my son is begging me every single day to release that first episode. All right. Now, let's get on with the interview. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. Today's guest is Dr. Abigail, in quotes, Abby Weissman. Abby is a clinical psychologist, uh, but she says that you can call her an empowering supporter and a self-love affirmer. She helps people who wish they could uh, fulfill their queer, transgender religious, liberal, polyamorous, and or kink selves, but hold themselves back because they are scared they will be unloved, unemployed, and rejected by their loved ones and communities. Abby encourages people to share their deepest wishes so they can learn to be happy being themselves. She knows from her own path of wellness and years of working in the LGBTQIQA We'll get some explanation in a moment, uh, clients, that is uh, possible to survive the fear of others' judgment, hurts, and disappointment to live your true self. Dr. Weissman? Yes? Does anybody call you that? Do people call you Dr. Weissman? I like it when they call me Dr. Weissman on the phone, and then I'm quick like, no, oh, it's fine, it's Abby, it's cool. All right, well, Dr. Dr. Abby, Dr. Weissman? Abby's Abby. great. Okay, we're good. So... Today's conversation, I, as, as I was, we were getting started here before we actually hit record, I, uh, I said to you, like, I'm, I'm concerned I'm going to say something like that I'm going to say some, ask an offensive question. And so I'm just throwing that out there. So I may do that, but it's not intentional. Okay. And you're going to use it as an opportunity to educate, right? Yeah. And to affirm that it's normal and typical to have the experience of being worried about asking questions. Because it really, I mean, it, and I think you would agree with this. Like okay. it's confusing all of the different sort of identities that are sort of out there. Like I think that it was like a month or two ago, you and I were talking and like my head was just spinning oh. about like the, the, so give us a little bit of, so the, we all, we know the LGBTQ and then there's the IQA. Then you said there's even other ones. Yes. What, so let's start there. Okay, so lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex, queer, questioning. So it could be queer, intersex, questioning, or questioning, intersex, queer, like, and then pansexual, someone identifies in that way. Can you, can you um, define those? Would you be able to do that for some of the, the ones that aren't as maybe known or understood? 
I can try. Um, I really like to ask people how they envision these terms because it's different. Um, no matter who I talk to, everyone has a different definition. So I always feel like I'm going to plunder it up if I say it. It's maybe similar, akin to what you might feel. And there's a history. It's all about the history and the context and who's saying them. Mm -hmm. So for me, for me, without asking a client, um, pansexual can be like, I love someone regardless of their gender identity. I love the person. Um, extra parts, fabulous, but it's really about the person. Mm -hmm. um, and so some people link that with bisexual. Some people don't like the term bisexual because it implies there are only two genders out there. And some people feel like, no, that's not true. Or, you know, if I identify as having more than one gender, just me, and I date someone else already, that's three genders. So how can I be bi? Mm. And that like blows their mind. Like it does to me every time I say it. So um, how old were you? So what, how do you identify? Oh, is, is, that, is that my day. first like offensive question? No, okay, actually, good. I thought you did it really well. And I was like all excited, but I had an answer and I wrote it down. And then I thought, mm, nah, <laughs> it depends on my context of how I identify. Mm. So currently I identify as a woman. I use a she, her, her pronouns. So um, that's cool. I identify as a lesbian. Um, but when I'm feeling political, I identify as a dyke or as queer. And if I'm pushed, I, or if I get the opportunity to be a little fun and different, um, I identify as someone who's under the trans umbrella or someone who's trans. Okay. So. Can you give us a little more, um, like what that means? Uh, which the under the trans mm -hmm. umbrella part. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, for me, um, I grew up having um, different chromosomes than that of a typical woman. So I have three X's instead of two. And, you know, that's done some funky things with me over the years, but no one can really tell. I, I appear cisgender. I appear like I have never trans. Um, define that too, because I think that we were, okay, we're sorry. Uh, throwing a lot of words out. Yeah, good. There's an academic term that has to do with some sciencey thing that I don't know, where cis is like, I think it's same. Okay. Where it's for people, you know, I'm sure you've met some of them, trying to be sarcastic, but I'm never good at that. Where they were born and the doctors assigned them like female at birth. And they were like, oh, okay, cool. Like, that's how I feel. And oh my gosh, I have breasts and like, whoa, I'm menstruating and all this stuff's happened to me. And they go through puberty and they're like, yeah, right on. I am a woman. Like, I don't agree with all the womany things, but for the basic part, I feel, feel good in my womanness. Mm -hmm. So it's um, someone for whom they, both how they were identified as at birth as having a particular gender, their parts, um, and their identity later on kind of matches. A short answer is not trans. Okay. So <laughs> as I've been sort of learning about more of, of this, uh, of the trans umbrella, a question that comes to me, like, I mean, I identify as, as not just a feminist, but like that hey. I don't necessarily like fall into these stereotypical like guy roles. Like, um, awesome. it's like, like, does that put me under the trans umbrella? If you identify there, you can be there. Hmm. Okay. And that's kind of, that's my feelings. Other people, 
might have grumbly feelings about that. Okay. And under the trans umbrella is actually like a nineties term. So I'm trying to bring old school back, but it's not working. Um, so it could be mildly offensive to people because they're like, no, no, no. Cause the umbrella is big. It's basically everyone who's not cisgendered identified, who identifies as a man and identified as a boy and the doctor identified them in that way. It's people, everyone else. And a lot of people feel like, well, people under this category of an umbrella, we don't all have the same needs, the same medical needs. Not everyone transitions. Some people do. Some people do it for performance. Some people do it because they have different value systems. Um, and so people got grumbly about it and kind of uh, pushed people aside into different categories, depending on their cultural identities or um, whether or not they wanted medical intervention in their life. I tend to identify as trans, but I, I feel a little uncomfy with that because I don't follow the typical like way of being in the world. Like I didn't go through the same standards or not standards, but the same stages as other trans people. So um, I have cisgender privilege. I mostly pass as a woman. I don't have the same issues. So it sounds like there's a lot of um, uh, not just stigma from the outside, but also with within the um, yeah. the umbrella or the, is there like a, a term that just like encompasses all of it? Well, yes, but no. Okay. It's another depends who you ask moment. <laughs> um, it used to be for a while trans asterisks. And then, cause it was like, is it, I think when you do library searches or mm -hmm. in my old school time or, you know, searches in general, it's like put a, a trans land search or whatever. That's, that's the word. I knew it started with a B and it had O's, but I wasn't sure. So if you put an asterisk, that would get everyone, right? Like the transsexual, the transgender, the trans whatever. But then people got really offended by that because they felt like it erased the experiences of women who identify as trans. Um by not like talking about their specific identity. So then it switched to being trans without an asterisk. And that was more socially acceptable. Um, so I tend to use that one. And even coming out as under the trans umbrella is probably like, I would be mad at me if I heard that from somebody else. So <laughs> but, is this one of those yeah. things where it's like people are like, they're so offended because somebody else gets offended? Yes. And you want uh, you, I want everyone to feel equally valid and appreciated for who they are. I want each person to have appropriate rights and benefits and not be treated like a piece of poop by the people that are supposed to care for them. So I will use the most appropriate terms that I possibly can 99% of the time. And then 1% of the time when it comes to me, I'm still kind of trying to figure it out. Mm. So I remember like I identified as intersex, um, which is the new term for hermaphrodite, which is considered offensive. Um, so it's people like myself whose DNA or their genitalia or their secondary sex characteristics don't, aren't typical. Um, and so you don't have to have all those things. You can just have like a little sprinkle of this or a little sprinkle of that. But I don't really, there's no Y in my life. I have three X's, so no. I don't really believe I'm inter anything. I'm not between. And since I'm a nerd, I really, I take that seriously. Hmm. 
So uh, instead of creating my own term intrasex, which I do occasionally, depending on the moment, I will use the term intersex if it means that people will know what the heck I'm talking about. Mm. You know, I'll I'll, uh, I'll share a uh, sort of an experience that, that I had. Um, I, was, I was working with a uh, um, a, a client. I was identifying as trans, and he wanted me to use the gender neutral pronoun uh, they them. That yeah, okay. And so and so this was my very first introduction to this, and like oh. and and I wanted to be like I I wanted to be like supportive of like what this mm-hmm. client was sharing, and I I my brain was just like wait it hurts like I can't wrap my head around oh, no. it right and it's like. I kept saying like, I'm going to mess it up. Like, just correct me when, when, when I do. But initially, like I had a hard time with it. Mm-hmm. And then like I hit up the Google and, uh, oh. and then I found this whole, like all these things about like the, the gender neutral, like uh, they, them. I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. it's a thing. You're and so there was, so- and there was something about like seeing like, Oh, this is these whole like communities that I didn't know anything mm-hmm. about that like normalized it more. Mm. And I think that, that these discussions as, um, you know, as from a, a civil rights, um, yeah. uh, sort of perspective, like, I mean, it's, it's moving at lightning speed. Right. And I think that yeah. even people like myself as a, as a social worker who wants to understand the human condition. Right. Um, where it's even if so, if I'm having a hard time with like, mm-hmm. like really them, they or it's like it was like my brain, like transitioning, like the in the ADHD form of transitioning um, is, uh, you know, that's a challenge. So it's like I have to like adapt like understanding these new concepts and it was just, you know, I have hard enough time as it is with like language and proper grammar. So it's mm-hmm. like, now this is like these social constructs of, of, of like grammar and, and, and pronouns. And, um, but I think hearing it used was helpful for me. And so I think just mm-hmm. the, the exposure um, to it, it was, was, has been helpful. Um, so glad. So um, have, are you watching or have you watched any of transparent? I watched a little bit, but the yeah. Jewish stuff, I just felt like, oh, it just hurt my heart. <laughs> I had to stop. I was like, I know I'm supposed to love this, but I need to go back to my cheesy romantic comedies because like, I just can't. Really? But did you love it? We're, so my, my wife and I, we it? are in, I think that on the third, third season, I think. Wow. No, I we know. like it. It's, uh, it's fascinating to us. That's really cool. So now yeah. you've professionally, um, you, uh, you work with the, G-L-B-T-Q-I-Q-A. Yay. Um, I was cheating. I was looking at my notes. Um, That's okay. And uh, and you've also given presentations on on this topic? Yes. Yes. And um, so when did you yeah, like, first like come out? As. <laughs> did, I hit my first, <laughs> did I hit my first offensive question? No, I just, you know, we've had this conversation about coming out in general. And so I'm wondering, like, um, as, coming out as, uh, as GLBT, queer, yes, cute, is queer. Yeah. Um, as coming out queer, I would say I was around, um, I was 18 when I first came out to my parents as queer. I was dating this person who was socialized as a woman and I liked her so much. And I called them the freshman, um, in my freshman year, I gave them a phone call. Um, I was about 45 minutes away from home and I said, mom and dad, 
I just want to tell you, I'm questioning my sexuality and I have a girlfriend. And I was so proud. I thought they would be so excited for me because I was like, oh my God, I like her so much. And then all of a sudden I heard like, and what I didn't know is that my mom had covered the phone and turned to the dining room table and outed me to everyone else sitting there. My dad, my brother, my grandma, we have a small family. Oh my gosh. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, okay, I gotta go. And I like, you know, jaunt off. And she's like, you're coming home, right? For, you know, next week we could talk about this. I'm like, no, I gotta go. You know, we have a date, blah, blah. And so I just like bounced away. And I think it took them a lot longer. Wow. But they've been really amazing in year. I mean, yeah. They're not the P flag. Uh, parents and friends of lesbian and gays and bi and trans folk, they won't protest. They won't be the advocate in that way, um, but they'll love me. Is it um, sort of like they want to get it and support it, but like they they more do it in what they say versus what they do? No, I mean, they're just, they're from Boston and they're Jews from Boston and PFLAG always met in a church. And so they wouldn't go to PFLAG because it would mean going into a church and they don't go into a church as Jews. They don't, that's how they feel. As soon as they walk in, they'll, they'll, they'll burn. Like poof, right. Jesus yeah. appears. <laughs> like if it happened that way, like I'd be in trouble. Cause you know, I'm married to a minister. So they're much, they're much better now. I think um, they have surprised me over the years tremendously. Um, I think they really liked that I became active in queer Jewish circles so that I could really keep my identity. Um, and at synagogue, it felt like a really strong place for me. They were a little more confused why I ended up marrying someone who wasn't Jewish. Um, it isn't Jewish, but they like her and they know she has a good heart and that's enough. Great. Great. I think Mm. though, in terms of coming out, I come out every day all over the place. Say more about Uh, that. It is. It sucks. It stinks. That's okay. You okay, can say I, don't, I don't know what the language barrier is. I swear I, I, in session. I, I still haven't decided that. Okay. I, I, I had a recent episode where um, this was discussed, and it's like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm more prone to just kind of be whatever, like after the second half of the show. Okay. I figured that, like, most people, like, they've lost their attention and, you know, might not they're be gone anymore. Um, yes. Or if they're, like, listening to it in the car and their kid happens to be with them, they dropped their kid off by that point. That's what I imagine. That's smart. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I appreciate that. These are all the stories that I tell myself. I like it's a very good reframe. I am very, I am um, affirmed and stuff. But yeah, I, okay, so I live in San Diego, which mm-hmm. is a lot more conservative than San Francisco, which is where I did most of my graduate training, um, both in clinical psychology and in human sexuality studies. And it's conservative. There are different parts of the city where I don't feel comfortable Mm. um, holding my wife's hand, where I always look around me anyway. Mm. And I've noticed like, whereas when I lived in like the queer section of town, I would have no problems um, hanging up my LGBT rainbow flag. But here I feel a little more hesitant. Mm. Um, I think when when you said that, um, it sort of made my heart hurt. Like they get to like be concerned about holding uh, the, the, the hand of the person that you love that's um, mm-hmm. hmm. i mean it's not just like oh god there are clients there <laughs> like you know although i did try to have my practice farther away from my house as a way to have some distance but that didn't work so i think it's more 
Yeah, I think about it all the time. And yeah, I wonder, you know, some places will be seen as sisters, even though she has like mm. the whitest, pinkest skin and I'm more tannish. Um, and her hair gets all curly and mine never does, even when I wanted it to. And we looked completely different, but even though we're both white, but it will either be sisters or we'll be good friends or we'll be ewed mm. um, when we sit down to eat. They always assume that we'll have um, separate checks. Oh, you want separate checks? I'm like, no, oh, I think I'll pay for my wife. I really like her. And they're like, oh, your wife. Like, so is that, so that is that something that you do to sort of push the uh, the the I don't know the conversation yeah. the you take a little bit, little bit of enjoyment of making somebody feel a little bit uncomfortable. I think so, and I also am also responding to my internalized homophobia, which is like, I don't want to be this scared all the time. Mm. I don't want to worry all the time that you know, the people around me are going to look at me funny. Like, I think that um, what I feel a lot after 45 was elected is this increasing sense of dread and despair. Mm. Um, and it's been really hard to move in the world. It feels like it's, um, I don't know, almost like, not quite silly putty, but like the air is thicker, you know, and it's, mm. It's like on the East Coast where the humidity used to be so much, not quite Texas, but like enough where the mosquitoes, you were like, are you okay? Are you floating? Like what's going on? The air has gotten thick and it's hard to move. And so when I say those things, it used to be about, let me, you know, just poke you a little extra. And now it's more about, I need to survive here. And in order to be my best clinician self, I need to make sure that I'm standing up for myself. And then I'm making room for the people that will come behind me and want to pay for their partner or, you know, be told, Oh, what a sweet couple. Mm. So, um, you've, you first came out, so to speak, when you're 18, you come out mm -hmm. every day, so to speak, but you're coming on this podcast today to come mm -hmm. out of another closet. Yeah. I, have been realizing how much shame I've carried around as having ADHD inattentive type. And so I really wanted to come out and have the chance to just say it. And so ah, I just did. How's it feel? Like I shouldn't have said it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's okay. It's like being queer. It takes a little bit of practice, you know? It is sort of uh, funny and ironic that we're like, almost 23 minutes into the episode and, and now we get to this point um i'm good you know because like when i do when i have these conversations i'm always like thinking also about the listener in the conversation yeah and and so i've been thinking about uh, as we've been talking i'm totally like interested in what we're talking about uh, but i've been wondering if the listener's like so what does this have to do with adhd like yeah right surprise there we go Whee! 23 minutes in so um so I just find that really, really interesting, um, and and I don't know, sad or or I don't know the right like interesting. I'll say interesting. How's that? My question, you on that? Yeah. Which part? That that the coming out um, as having ADHD has been harder in a sense for you than, um, mm -hmm. than queer. Now, it's also later in my life, too. Okay. I mean, I didn't find out that I had ADHD until I was deep into my um, pre-doc internship. Okay. So I had finished all my class. I had had a master's. 
Then I got a second master's on the way. Then I had finished all my classwork, all my additional hours of training. And I was writing my dissertation and going to a full-time internship at a super prestigious place. And I wasn't keeping up with standards. And I felt like a total failure and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And I, I knew I was always behind in my notes, but I was like, what's wrong? Like, why can't I just figure this out? Like like your case notes notes? Yeah, like <sighs> I just couldn't do it. I mean, I was always getting into trouble for that. That was like what I do. And I was like, oh, well, I'm a clinician. Like, it makes sense that I don't want to do administrative work. And that's great. But at the end of the day, I'm a professional and I need to do the administrative work. So great that I don't like it, but I still have to do it. Mm-hmm. And I got so sad. I couldn't keep up and it was horrible. And I went, I remembered that my psychologist had maybe six years before been like, have you ever considered ADHD? And I'm like, no, 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 I don't have that. I'm smart. And because if you're I, I smart, that means you keep, young. Yeah, that's a rule out for ADHD. Right? Oh, yeah, totally. I know that now. It's definitely not a rule out at all. But I had always struggled with my intelligence Mm. and being smart enough in my family and couldn't figure out why I couldn't um, succeed as well. Standardized tests for me were brutal. Mm. I always wanted to argue the answer down. doesn't work. It's a bubble. (laughs) So that didn't work for me. And uh, yeah, I think I finally went and I went and I got neuropsych tested. Mm -hmm. And I just thought maybe this is ADHD. I mean, I... I'm taking and passing with flying colors, all the online tests, like maybe this means more, mm. like, I don't want to have this, but if it does mean more, like, let's at least figure it out. So how, how many years ago was it? When, uh... Um, ooh, 2012, 2013. Okay. So it's just, it's been a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Whoa. Like four year anniversary. So now are you, um, I, Take medication? Yes, I do. It's fantastic. Yeah. Although because of other health concerns, um, it's not covered by my insurance. Mm. So I've been fighting the insurance company. I mean, I'm a doctor, but I'm not that kind of doctor. So I've been fighting my insurance company and my doctor's office to get it covered. Um, and I'm not able to. So I'm so trying to figure out what else to do. So frustrating. It's I had, I, there was a whole year where I was paying completely out of pocket for my Adderall and I'm, I was yeah. on a fairly high dose. So it's priced based on how much you take. And, uh, you know, it's, it's people ask, well, how could I afford that? My response mm-hmm. was, I can't afford not to, because like my yeah. business will shut down if I don't have Adderall. <laughs> I, know. I mean, it really will. It plays that much of a role in my management of ADHD. And it's mm-hmm. so helpful. I'm such a fan. Like, even though it's, awful and horrible and there are terrible side effects i will be that doctor that therapist who will recommend medication and then provide some psychoeducation about it and then recommend it again and even if i'm not sharing my stuff mm-hmm. i've seen it work and I, I can tell you it's worked on me um i what, don't what kind of side effects you said it has uh, awful side effects i'm curious as to what kind of side effects um, for me, I get really dizzy. I mean, I'd rather not talk about the actual prescription, but I'm sure you can figure it out yourself. I get dizzy and lightheaded. And if I were a surgeon, I'd be in trouble. And it interacts with other medication that I'm on. So, I mean, all the other ones interact. So I have to be on this specific one. Okay. Um, but 
it's just really expensive. I like to say I could have um, rented a small house in Iowa for the cost of this medication. But if I didn't do it, I would be physically ill because I would be so stressed out. Um, And I think I would be depressed because I wouldn't know like what's what. And I think my anxiety would be like off the charts um, because having it just centered me and allowed me to at least have some semblance of, Oh yeah, maybe when you're talking to someone, you should look at them. <laughs> I mean, I'm inattentive type, but yeah, I, I don't know. It just, it's changed my life mm. for the better. Mm. So I'm grateful to have it. I just, do you talk, so you do talk to your, your clients uh, or patients about it? I don't talk to them about my stuff. No. Okay. A- I never, until this point, maybe, but <laughs> Um, yeah, so no. about ADHD or your queer identity? Um, my queer identity, I have no problems. It's pretty obvious. There's like six rainbows in my office and I just <laughs> added two more. Um, and I have a glisten statement at the front saying everyone here needs to be respected and supported. I'm the chair of the LGBT like committee at the San Diego Psych Association. So I'm pretty out and I'm pretty queer. Some parents will be like, oh, she's not queer. She's just a professional. That's why she has her hair short. But those just make me giggle. But what, do people, did, are there parents that really say this? They don't say it, but it's their look. It's okay. like, oh, you know, because I'm there and I'm trying to help kids or parents or, you know, all those other people in between and amongst figure out do they need hormones? What kind of support do they need in order to transition? How can they reconcile their religion and their sexuality or their gender identity? What does it look like to be liberal in a conservative town? How can they figure out their relationships? Um, Mm. All that fun stuff. And so they're like, oh, well, she's not super queer. She'll let my kid be however they want to be. And I'm like, I don't have power over that. Your kid is the expert in their experience. Like, but I am a super queer. So, hmm. and, but, but you don't come out and sort of say that though to, I don't really have to no? okay. anymore. I think I can like raise an eyebrow or, um, I mean, people ask me and I'll, I have no problems telling them. I mean, I've been to some placements recently, especially like postdoc where they didn't want me to come out. Um, and I wasn't allowed to have any, even I'm an ally stuff on the wall. Really, And they invited the people who are in heterosexual relationships to have their spouses or their kids, you know, propped up, which, you know, has its own um, clinical context. Uh, yeah. And I was not allowed to. I didn't want to because I'm private in some ways. Okay. Um, but the fact that Do I you couldn't say me how many people to. are probably going to listen to this or would you rather not you know, know that? And that's where they're like, oh, my God, what did you just do? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I wasn't allowed to and that made me fight harder to be able to like I have so many rainbows in my freaking office because people wouldn't let me put a rainbow on the wall like because it was so shameful to be LGBT or to be L identified mm -hmm. and then they would say all these horrible things and I was supposed to just pretend I didn't care because I didn't have my license and I needed to get it from these people So I don't want to do that anymore. I'm an LGBT prioritizing mental health corporation, I guess. And I'll fight for that. And I've noticed that a lot of the people have come to see me or that I've talked to on the phone, 
have some form of ADHD or autism spectrum. So I want to I want to talk about the sort of the the, the crossover uh, there um, between ADHD, uh, um, LGBTQIQA. That was without nice. looking. That was without looking. Gold that star. Was pretty freaking that was pretty awesome. Good. Yeah. Very supportive. Um, and uh, and and they're with, with autism as well. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that after a quick break. Okay. All right. We will be right back. Hey, don't forget at the very end of this interview, I'm going to play a little bit more of um, the a clip from the Gibson and Eric show. Um, but you know what? I'll give you a quick clip right now. Do you know what? Do you know what a theory is? I think a theory is like a scientific story. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting way to to describe it. And you guys. I said it's a scientific story, but that doesn't mean theories are like in storybooks or something. <laughs> There's more cuteness and profound things that come out of Gibson's mouth. Support us and you can hear the entire episode. Support ADHD Rewired on Patreon. Go to ADHD. <laughs> Let's try that again. Go to patreon.com slash ADHD rewired and uh support us as soon as we hit uh, um 150 a month or 25 supporters we will release our very first episode stay tuned to the very end of the interview after the interview and i'll play you a little bit more turn good intention into amazing actions with the adhd rewired coaching and accountability group this virtual video-based group coaching program meets three times a week Improve your productivity, develop better habits, experience the true power of supportive accountability from members of our own tribe. Learn, grow, and connect. Learn more at ADHDrewired.com. I hope to see you there at ADHDrewired.com. And prepare to get your ADHD rewired. And we are back. Um, we were starting to get into interesting conversation and I said, wait, wait, hold on. Uh, now the patrons got getting to hear some of that, but you were talking about, you were about to go to a, uh, a conference for about conversion therapy. Yes. Which I have to imagine is that you're protesting. I am. Um, so one of the roles, as I said, is a chair of the, uh, a committee chair for the LGBT committee at the San Diego Psych Association. And then I'm also on the board of directors for the San Diego Psych Association, which are two roles I really feel strongly about. I'm very proud of. And when we found out that there was going to be a conversion therapy conference. So just in case anybody make, doesn't know what that is, why don't you just quickly It's like it. trying to make LGBT people, Q-I-Q-A-A-Q-P maybe, people not be who they are. You're trying to basically, the idea is we're going to cure you of your sexual difference educate him and that's such a bummer i mean like to put like it takes a long time to figure out who you are and if you're lucky enough to figure it out and to get enough support family support to be able to come out in the first place don't want to have to go back in it's it's brutally painful and a lot of people have been harmed by it so they have this conference coming in called the hope conference which organizers here have labeled it the nope conference, which I really appreciate. Um, and so they're having counter protests. So it's pride month here. It's June. 
it's Pride Month all over the place, except for San Diego, where it's in July. But they are doing a two-day conference at a local health, like it's at a church, and then it's also at, they're staying at a Hilton. And so it's wonderful that union organizers are coming and organizing protests. Um, And I felt really lucky when the, let's see, what is his role? The senior supervisor at the local LGBT center, the San Diego, oh, I always get this wrong. It's like the San Diego Community LGBT Center. He's the behavioral health supervisor, had invited myself and another person to come in. Um, speak on behalf of clinicians in San Diego, saying that we don't believe that conversion therapy is okay, is therapeutic. We think it does harm to folks and that it was taken out of our Bible um, back in the 1970s and it should stay out Hmm. so that I can come (laughs) So imagining like a conference that was like organized around saying that ADHD is not real. Like just... (laughs) Like how hurtful, and I mean, besides from the, this, the evidence that shows like it is a harmful yeah. intervention. I mean, it you know, it's um, terrifying. Yeah, I don't think shaming people really works. Like, no, it doesn't um, hurting them for being who they are. That doesn't work. If someone told me to stop having ADHD and attentive type, I'd be like, huh, that's a great theory. I'm gonna drink some caffeine so that I can. <laughs> get myself focused like it just doesn't work well you know if you uh if you just you know uh, wrote a to-do list and kept the calendar like your idiot she goes be, it'll be gone like you just get you, oh. you just have to try harder thanks for letting me know should i also electrocute my genitalia would that make me feel better <laughs> i haven't Sorry. heard that one Moment. Um, <laughs> although there there was a strategy that i have thought of at, at, at times which is um I, as i'm my mouth is opening i'm like no eric don't say this out loud but i have already um gone this far this is why i typically don't record episodes past like 3 p.m it's 5 50 p.m so um the, one of my biggest challenges is getting myself to like get into bed and turn lights out at, on I time and and i have uh and, and i have have uh sort of jokingly said that i think the only thing that would really help me be super consistent about that is basically what you just said but the only way to avoid that from happening is i have to be in bed with lights out and electronics turned off to be safe from what you had just said i feel by just saying it as what you just said is safer than adding it to what i just described and I just want to put it out there. Like if somebody likes that and enjoys that as stimulation, more it's power to them. I don't want to yuck on their yum, which is my most favorite phrase. But for me, that would be not consensual. And so I wouldn't like that feeling. And it wouldn't be used as a way to like help people feel better and be more in touch with their ADHD or sexuality or going to sleep. You know? Do you, uh, here's sort of a tangent. Do you ever listen yeah. to uh, risk? No, no. Um, with, uh, Kevin Allison, um, I had him on the podcast, uh, maybe a couple months ago. Um, are you familiar with the moth? Yes. So it's risk is like the moth, but NPR would not play risk. Um, cause it's, it, they talk, you know, it's, it's live storytelling on stage. They talk really? about kink and they talk about like lots of That's things so awesome. that, that it, it really normalizes a lot of that stuff. And, um, um, and the, the stories are so entertaining and it's just I, the art of storytelling. I just, I love storytelling in all its forms. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I'll totally check it out. I, um, I have a pretty long commute right now. And so I've started to listen to as much as I can on podcasts as a way to kind of ground myself in the mountains. You, you um, may laugh out loud just so you know. 
Okay. Well, I'm by myself. Okay. So that's, that's, that's good. As long as the other drivers are okay with like, then it's okay. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about the intersection uh, between LGBTQIQA. I think you threw a P in there at some point. I did. Pansexual. Cool. Let's talk about the, that yeah. intersection. We need a symbol, okay. as I was saying before, hit record, like Prince, you know, because there's just, you know, we don't want to exclude anybody. Um, Right. But then it's like we also it also needs to be ADHD friendly. Guess that is kind of too many letters to remember. Nah, we got this. It's not like it's a string of numbers that I have to be scored on a waist with or, or whatever that is. And I say it backwards. Yeah. Like we'll, we'll we'll test your working memory how if you can no. say the LGBT health thing backwards. No, okay. Yeah, I can't do it. So the intersection. So um, yeah, ADHD, um, GLBTQIQA, autism, just. Talk to me about what you see as a clinician um, and where this intersects. I will say quickly before that is that I went to a conference at Spectrum in Berkeley, California, mm -hmm. and they there was um, a person there, Finn, and they, oh, I hope that I'm getting the pronouns correctly. I think it was that they said, um, they talked about being a parent of a um, kid on the Spectrum mm -hmm. and being trans and talked about the different research. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to send you the link to their research so that you kind of see the context I'm mm -hmm. coming from mm -hmm. um, or the research that they've compiled. But clinically, I just, I think it's amazing. I love how free people are with me to share all the many complexities of their lives. And I feel grateful when they do it. Um, with intersectionality, I'm always thinking about um, gender, religion, ethnicity, power, age, um, ability, size. And then most recently, it's like neuro neurodiversity kind of diversity yeah. and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I really wasn't aware of much of a connection until I had a client come in and wanted me to just assess them for uh, autism. And I was like, why me? Like, there are so many people I could send you to like the resource center for once. Like I knew enough to know that I wasn't the person mm -hmm. that I didn't have those trainings that I didn't work with, um, autistic kids that I just didn't have the training. I didn't have enough time. And that wasn't my main interest. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know if I can just assess you for autism. Can I send you to a friend? Um, a colleague and they were like, no, I want you to do it. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, why me? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Your face look friendly online. Like, okay. I mean, I don't really, really, really yeah. I don't remember what they said, mm -hmm. but I remember it wasn't you're trans and queer friendly. And I did the assessment and afterwards they came out to me as um, having a gender that was different mm. um, than cisgendered. And I was like, oh, I think I said to them, duh. It's like, <laughs> of course you are. Like, why else would you come see me? Like, I knew that the whole time. But they thought it had to be split. Mm. And it wasn't anything they said. Like, I'm certainly not, I'm not a clinician that will repeat any client stuff. I'm just, I noticed in the room that it felt like they could only be one or the other. Mm. And I started to think, you know, is this going to be a trend that people are going to come to me and be like, I'm queer, I'm trans. And then be like, by the way, I was wondering, do you think I'm autistic? Or, or I have ADHD, do you think I'm autistic? And I'm like, well, there's a big chance, you know, 
we mm. do overlap. We are fun and complex people. So I just started learning more and I just, I find it remarkable. I think I've only come out to one client as having ADHD and attentive type, you know, until now, but, uh, what was that like in the for you? room only once? What? What was that like for you? Um, I think I built it up more in my mind, mm. but I think I, I had to be very careful that I wasn't doing it for myself, mm -hmm. that I was doing it for them. I felt like it would normalize this person and help them recognize that ADHD really did have an impact on their relationships and their way of being in the world. And that to not talk about it, to pretend it doesn't exist and it doesn't inform their personality was, you know, crap. And it was losing a big piece of the puzzle. And that wasn't fair to them. Mm. I know that in most sort of schools of uh, whether it's psychology, social work, uh, counseling, um, you know, traditionally speaking, they, you know, trans as, as the therapist to, you know, don't mm -hmm. share your, your story. And yeah. I don't necessarily prescribe to that. Mm -hmm. What, what I do uh, uh, prescribe to is if you're going to share your story, make sure you've dealt with your story. Right. Right. Like don't be processing with your clients. Right. Like, um, uh, cause that can be for, cause then the, it's clear, like the inappropriate boundaries and then mm -hmm. uh, the client feels like this obligation and like this pressure and it can, it can be un, unprofessional and, and uncomfortable for both people involved. Gross. <laughs> so, you know, I, uh, in, in my clinical practice, um, which, uh, which I'm actually doing less of now cause I'm doing more of the, the online coaching, um, with, with okay. ADHD, uh, but the other my clinical practice, uh, really half of us focused on um, autism spectrum disorders, awesome. and um, you know that the the topic of uh, of sexuality uh, has come up in, in many of my clients, and I know I've had numerous clients who are on the spectrum who uh, identified as asexual, um, mm -hmm. or they just have no like, and this is also I know how like Temple Grandin um, identifies mm -hmm. is, is they just they have no interest in it it's mm -hmm. sort of like you know me with football it's like i really don't have any interest in it which is really i played football in college or not in high school um which is really funny when i think back to it it's like i had no idea what i was doing i was horrible i uh it was a good exercise though but um yes. and i've also have had clients who um in, in sharing that they are are attracted to um the opposite sex did I use that term correctly? Opposite gender? Opposite, like, I was like, breathe through it. Well, I just believe that they're not just two sexes. So I don't know if there's a dichotomy. So I would say like someone of a different gender. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Where there's my sort of assessment of, of how they were viewing it is there was, there was less of a, like a story that they were sort of wrestling with. It was mm -hmm. just more of like, it just is like i don't know if you've if you've seen that at all um yeah where it, like there wasn't so much of a wrestling to come out where it's just like oh i i you know i said oh, i think i identify this way or i think i'm attracted to this person like what does that mean like but like with just total just trying to understand the data versus like yeah. what does it mean right like because the social mind just has to think about how other people are thinking and they're mm -hmm. not necessarily thinking about that uh not very much anyways yeah. so it, no it's really interesting what do you know much about what the research says about it i don't unfortunately the studies that they quoted were very small like around 40 people in them 
but just that there was a very high overlap, like a surprisingly high overlap in these diagnoses. However, I don't know, you know, where they got the sample from or you know, why I'm, it was 40 people big. And there was, kind of it was, um, um, the, the, the mind Institute, is that UC mm. Berkeley or UC Davis? Or is that like, I don't know. One of those, I believe you. I, I know that it's, um, I think if you go on, um, on, uh, what's the, the iTunes that has like the courses, uh, oh, or the, cool. um, you can get it for, for free. Um, and I remember watching a, a lecture, um, about, uh, autism and, uh, and sexuality and they were discussing nice. that there seems to be a higher prevalence of other identifying individuals who are on the spectrum. Um, that also goes to the, the, um, I don't know if you've heard of, uh, Simon Baron Cohn's sort of theory on autism. Tell me, um, tell me. He, he looks at it as the, um, the extreme male brain, um, mm. because it's very like pattern oriented and he also lo looking at testosterone and, um, and there, there have been, there's a really fascinating study and I think it's been replicated at birth. So they took a sample while the a, a baby was in, in utero of um, I think placenta fluid where they, they can, and they only had to do that because there's other medical things going on. Otherwise, okay. and to, and they were able to see how much testosterone was present in, in, in the baby. And um, I think within like an hour of the, the baby being born, they showed them like two pictures. One was of a truck and one was of a person. And they were able to correlate that the, the um, babies that looked at the truck more than the person, um, even just you know, from a, from a quanti quantitatively longer period of time, even if it was just a few seconds, right. when followed had a higher correlation of having a later having an autism diagnosis. Interesting. When the, when the uh when the testosterone was was higher, so looking at that as a, a a correlate. Wow, it's fascinating. Yeah, it is kind of fascinating. Yeah, I need to do more research. Yay! I love research. <laughs> and you were like, like, how many degrees do you have? Well, just a master's in human sexuality, and then a master's on the way to a doctorate in clinical psychology. So just. Uh, you did catch yeah. that you suggest, right? I did. I'm working on that. It's a process. So how do you think the ADHD sort of intersects with, with all this? You know, thinking about like, um, uh, we had sort of touched on earlier, uh, kink. Um, and so I'm wondering, do you think that, that impulsivity can sort of, um, uh, play a, a, are there special considerations that maybe for the GLBTQIQA community? Um, I feel like gold star every time we get all the hey, totally got a gold star like um, behavioral. Yay. Uh, so do you think that there's special sort of education, psychoeducational considerations for uh, um, people in, in that community who also have ADHD? Uh, we know that yeah. with ADHD, we know higher rates of STDs, unwanted pregnancies, um, mm -hmm. you know, engaging in, in higher risk behaviors. Um, so I wonder what Substance the use, yeah. you know, cutting, Actually, I don't know about the cutting, but I'm assuming. So I don't know what that means about me right there. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just want to make sure, though, quickly that I said that even though I think about these things kind of all happening together, I don't mm -hmm. want to pathologize them. Like, I get that I'm a psychologist. And I feel like these are all the ways that make people unique and fun mm -hmm. and fabulous. And so just because I might say, like, someone has ADHD and on the autism spectrum and, you know, likes kinky play, like that's kind of cool. And so maybe I judge it, but I judge it in a more positive light, mm -hmm. I think, than a, 
a path, like than a pathology. Like I wouldn't give anyone a diagnosis of a fetish unless it were truly impacting their well-being. And right, like it, it would be a stretch, dangerous, you know? or it was like bothering them in a way that was um, like they felt like a lot of shame around it. Um, yeah, and even then, I'd be wanting to work on the shame and yeah. what the social person, you know, as you were saying, like what the community impacts um, their sense of being in the world. Yeah. I mean, I spend a lot of time doing suicide assessments these days. I think that the LGBT population and all the other letters, oh gosh, I just did it to myself. LGBT, Q-I-Q-A, P, P, maybe another A, populations. Do me a favor, if you can talk about why you just self-corrected and what what you just said, because I think just, um, it's interesting. Well, I was just... Uh, quoted in this article about um, LGBT plus and the use of the term plus as a way to incorporate everyone in. Um, And I don't like that because I feel like people worked very, very hard and had a lot of social justice movements in order to get their letter up on the acronym. And so it's, you know, she said it hurts your heart. It hurts my heart when I see the I not being on the list, even though that's not how I necessarily identify. I still want it up there mm-hmm. and I still want the P up there. And I don't want the people who identify as pansexual to be like, God, you had this perfect opportunity to mention me and you just totally left me off the table. I don't feel like I'm part of the conversation anymore. Like it gives me the chills. Like I just, I work so hard to fight for people feeling heard. Mm-hmm that if I could do one small thing, which is to name their letter, I will do it. Even if it means I'm talking till I'm out of breath and I'm, I will still do it. So I will correct myself. So I'm not perfect. I think that's our, um, that's something that we very much have in common is that our desire to help people feel heard and seen and, uh, and understood. Awesome. Yay us. So, um, so I answered your question. I don't even remember what my question was. That's okay. I know um, it's bad. <laughs> it, 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 I, I think, think a, I think a long time ago, like I used to like get concerned about like, oh, I gotta, gotta stay focused here on the podcast. You know, I'm just like, you know what? Like if I, if like I ask a question and never gets answered or if like we just go talk in a circle, like well, I, I think in some ways, now I you know I don't try to be all over the place, but being like a little bit all over the place, I think also like this is ADHD, right? And I think it um, at least again, my wife or people that don't have ADHD, I know they find it painful mm-hmm. sometimes. Not you per se, but like when people in general kind of wibble wobble back and forth. Whereas I found that ends up being a very strong clinical skill of mine that I can follow people in their tangents to the point where I don't even realize that they're having tangents. So that gets me in trouble when I have to write a clinical assessment. Cause I'm like, Oh no, they're just talking about 80 things at once. And yeah, they never came back. That's fine. Um, but I do want to make sure I answered your question, which I think was about kink and LGBT populations and having autism or ADHD. I think I'll do the ADHD part. Cause I know that more just to be really mindful of the safer sex things that you're using (laughs) to like, if you're using a dental dam, which a lot of people don't use anymore, but some do. And I like it, um, which can be like a little piece of plastic. It's often harder to find in the stores, a little thicker to, um, for anyone to perform oral sex on a partner who has 
a vagina or a vulva or parts like that. Um, they say like you can make a mark on it or something like that to make sure you know which side is which. I am so bad at that stuff. Like I, I would need, I would encourage people to just use another one. So if in doubt, don't try to like outthink yourself. Just use another one, use another condom, like, you so know, you're talking about very practical ADHD strategies for yes. engaging in this kind of stuff. Okay. Well, I mean, I have them like, I have safer sex supplies in my bathroom at my office. Um, and I always think, you know, like, let's go over, you know, how do you use these things? Like, what kind of practical skills do you want? I mean, I don't like bring out a banana or anything like I might have done when I was a sex educator way back when, but I will kind of go into it. And I do want to always be thinking about, you know, how to prepare yourself and how to also be mindful of like, of suicide. I just want to say we have a high rate of suicide in our communities, especially in the trans communities. And so a high rate of suicide, a high rate of thoughts of harm. And so I really want to make sure that whoever you're doing play with, that you can get them tested and that you're always thinking about, you know, yes, some breath play might be fun, but just really check in with each other and make sure that you have appropriate boundaries so that you're not entering into something that you didn't expect. Mm. And so I just, I will repeat these over and over again and be really mindful of how people can take the best care of themselves as possible. So what's your, um, uh, do you have sort of next plans about um, sharing, maybe adding an A to the, um, uh, adding an ADHD to the LGBTQ? Now, wasn't there also a thing where he's like switching off the G and the L on what starts first? Yeah, I want to put L first because I feel like women have been through enough crap and there's enough sexism in the world. We should at least get the first letter. But like there's um, the LGBT center in Hillcrest, for instance, a lot of people still call it the gay center. And I'm like, hello, where are the lesbians? Like, can we at least call it the queer center or something? But then half the people get mad because the word queer is offensive to different generations, mm. mostly, and people have feelings. See, there's an um, A and an, an I. So maybe like one more vowel in there. We can create some cool acronyms, play some like anagrams. I would like that. No, I mean, I will say like, I don't think, you know, not all of my clients have anything. So I am delighted though, that I will be starting some form of what I want to call like assessment aftercare where you've, so you've been assessed by ADHD. Now what? and really talk about the emotional consequences and how that impacts your relationships. Because I do have a lot of specialties that deal with uh, different sexualities and genders. And this is something else too. And it can really, it can deeply impact people. And I want to make sure that people are aware that this is something I talk about and think about a lot, you know, in the room. It sounds, I think that, um, uh, the the element of, of shame that probably is so pervasive across both you know uh, yeah. both populations um, and even professionally like that colleagues around me are like I would never tell them that I have ADHD I'm like your case is so much worse than mine like what are you doing <laughs> See, how could you, how could you not because then it's like you're, even questioning your professional judgment like you know clearly you have ADHD I mean you walk into my office and clearly you know I have ADHD because um, uh, I got the time management thing down pretty well the organizational thing this is sort of I, I keep saying this on the podcast now because it's like if I say it it will become the thing that I do I like it that like that's my next frontier of what I want to 
master is is organization like what do i do with all my stuff just all of it like it's because i'm 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 moving like by the time this probably comes out i will have i'll be moved but i'm as we're talking right now i'm moving in less than two weeks and so i over the last few months i've had to really confront my um i'm just gonna call my hoarding tendencies and my like Oh, I might need this one day or the just in case or the, oh, this yeah. thing works perfectly fine. I haven't used it in five years, but it's perfectly like all of those things. When you sort of view it like as a, as, as a whole, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my, like it's, it's making me crazy, which motivates me to yeah. like change, like for the better. And I'm not saying like change, I don't like myself change that. Like I want to understand how to not be in this situation where like, I have clutter everywhere and like, so I, I'll clean up my, my office and then all of a sudden I'll notice there's piles everywhere. And I'm like, how did this just happen? Like I just spent like an hour cleaning my office. And so I want to understand the, the thought process behind stuff. I like fly lady. She's a little conservative and sometimes I have grumpy feelings. And I, I wrote her about that once. Yeah. I tried to do a test to fly or whatever, but I'm Jewish and, you know, it just didn't come out as cool as the Christian ones. Um, What's test to fly? I don't know what that is. She has these like, you know, every day you can get an email from her, like something to think about and how to do your 15 minute clean. And then she has these ones that she calls test to fly, which are pretty much the religious ones that are like, Jesus told me to clean and I did. And now I'm so happy. Um, I used your product and it made me happier. Interesting. And so it's been really trippy, but I really like her songs. She I don't really know. Like I know sort of of her and I've listened to maybe a couple of her like podcasts. I, I know she has a pretty big following though, but I, uh, haven't she helps me get up in the morning and be, be weirdly cheerful. I mean, not always, but interesting. I use her calendar is actually sitting right over there that I was going to hold up and be like, fly lady power. Cool. cool. Um, but I, I don't use it all the time, but when I do, I'm happier. So, I feel like that was just like a meme. Like I don't really usually drink beer, but when I do, it's what was what was is a meme with what's I'm his happier? name? Um, I don't know. You know what meme I'm talking about? The guy with the beard. Um, oh yeah, it's been so long. Yeah. I will say for a clinical practice, I'm a big fan of Zanimi. If I'm allowed to say them. Zanimi. <laughs> Yeah, Z Y N N Y M E. I think dot com. Um, they do business school boot camp for therapists. And so they've been really helpful as a clinician to kind of get my ducks in a row and figure out what I next wanted to do. So yeah. I don't know. As you were talking, I'm like, yes, my next goal is to hire a clinician, because that's my next goal. And then I want to have a couple of different groups. One on social skills, because that's coming up, shocker. And then the other one on queer, younger adults. Mm. And then... I love group work. Like, t- when, when you're dealing with, like, shame, like, there's nothing more oh. powerful than group. Like, I... Like, this is why it's all I really do now is is, is group. Oh, cool. Because um, it's just it's just so powerful. I'm, 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 I miss it. Yeah. I, I, I did extra studies in group, and I really miss it. So you anything s- I can do to kind of get back in, I'm, I'm all about it. You said that you're, you're in social skill stuff. Are you, um, are you familiar with, uh, Michelle Garcia winners work with uh, social thinking? Oh, no, but oh yes. Like it's, making a list. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll like it. You'll like it. Um, okay. uh, she's out there in California too. Her, her oh, clinics. That'd be awesome. Just like, how do you get off your phone and talk to people? And how do you read the social cues from that? And how, what does that look like? 
Like even me, I'm like, what did they text? My phone's pretty big now. Like, what did they text? I don't understand. Is that a smiley face or a winky face? Like, or are they just wearing glasses? Like, I don't get it. Did did the winky face come after or before the text? Was there there more than one winky face? Was it the emoticon or just a plain text winky face? What does that mean that they changed the color of their skin? Does that mean that they are a different color? Or does that mean that they're making some comment about me and my race? Like, I don't know. How do I feel about that? Well, how do you feel about that? I don't know how I feel about that. How do I? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I would like to be able to kind of talk to people about social skills and use some more DBT training and just kind of talk about this stuff. And I practice out of a pretty conservative suburb. One is really conservative, one office, and the other office is super queer. So I want to start talking about what it's like to be queer in suburbia. Hmm. I hear a podcast coming out of this. I don't know. It's... Or, or maybe even a sitcom. I don't know. That'd be so fun. All right. Well, um, um, Abby, I think we should wrap this one up. Okay. Okay. So um, I think I'm going to start ending my episodes by saying that ending is also the hardest part. Because starting is. is the hardest part and ending is the hardest. Because I'm having fun. I can keep going. But uh, me too. If, I keep, if I keep going, it's going to cost me my, my me to have this edited uh, more expensive at the, the hour seven mark. I go up to the next tier of, of pricing for my editing. Ooh, that's um, not cool. So I'm like watching the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm just about to hit it. So um, don't do that. Dr. Weissman, how can people reach yes. you? I am not a psychic. I did not learn that at school, but I wish I had. You can reach me by my website at www.doctorabi.com or you can give me a call at 619-403-5578 or you can email me. And if you email me, you have the best chance of actually reaching me and me returning something to you. So I encourage email. I-N-F-O at D-O-C-T-O-R abi.com and we will get the links to all of those phone number awesome. which may not be returned if you leave a message um but if you send a um uh, you send an email um and we'll get the link to that on our on the show notes page um which will be erictivers.com slash whatever episode number this is um we'll have that link uh, for you there um Great. thank you Abby, thank you so much i really enjoyed this conversation me too thanks so much for having me what an honor it's a pleasure. Congratulations. Thanks. Yay. All right. Take care. Bye. Well, aren't you awesome? You stuck around until after the interview because you wanted to hear just a little bit more of the Gibson and Eric show. I, I don't blame you. Here you go. Here is more of the Gibson and Eric show. And just as one last reminder, if you go to patreon.com slash ADHD rewired. Yes, I got it right that time. Um, you can support us and um, hear more of these episodes, the full length episodes. They're like 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, we do appreciate your support. Here's another clip from the Gibson and Eric show. I think this is like the third time we've recorded a podcast. They started bleeding. I don't think that 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 recording a podcast should involve bleeding. Okay, okay. <laughs> Never ever see it, but there's one thing that mm-hmm. I need to tell you, okay. you, you audience, and you, Eric. You can, nev- you, you can call me Dad. Yes, Dad. <laughs> never make sure there's nothing red on your skin while you're making or listening to a podcast. 
All right, don't go anywhere. This board good advice coming up right here. We're gonna talk chemistry here, but I wanna warn you, I didn't do very well in chemistry class. Um, so you <laughs> might explode or die. Okay. Or get an injury, but <laughs> you won't. <laughs> what are you saying? And there's this. Which makes up everything in the world. Even you listening. You are made of stardust. And you and apple pie, right? Wait. Oh, yeah. Even apple pie is made of stardust. And apples. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thank you for listening. This is Eric, also known as Gibson's dad. And this is Gibson. Also known as Gibson Rabu Tivers. So uh, that was just a little bit of a clip for what we recorded it last week. And again, we want to release uh, these full episodes uh, to our supporters on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash ADHD rewired and um, show your support there. Thank you so much. See you next week. This is Eric Tivers. Thank you for listening, and congratulations for making it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode. Learn more about the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group, and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content that you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. Support ADHD Rewired and help replenish our coaching group scholarship fund by becoming a monthly patron at patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. Different levels of support get different perks. You can give just a buck or three or five bucks a month or more. Every little bit helps. And it's an awesome way for you to let me know that you value this show the community, and everything else we do. That's patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tivers. Subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube to see select interviews and other videos I've made. The ADHD Rewired community is now a secret group on Facebook, so that's one less reason to not just be a passive listener, but to be an active member of our community. Fill out our short screening form at our website, ADHDrewired.com. We screen everyone before they join. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities or on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Quora, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends, your family, your clients, as well as your coaches, therapists, and doctors. If you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, be sure to tell them about this podcast. You can even show them how to download it on their phone or even do it for them. And if you really love this episode, please hit share on your podcast player. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the message. One of the biggest things you really can do to support this podcast and to help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and review on the Apple Podcast app 
or on Stitcher or any other podcast app that supports and accepts ratings and reviews. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Need some ideas on where to start other than Brene Brown's Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, or her six-hour recorded workshop, The Power of Vulnerability? Then I would recommend The One Thing by Gary Keeler. Oh, and if you by any chance know Brene Brown, please let her know how grateful I am for all of her work and what she means to me and the ADHD community, and that she's welcome on my show anytime. And in the one in like 7 billion chance that Brene, you're listening, please come and be a guest. Thanks. This is Eric Tivers reminding you, keep learning, keep growing, and keep connecting. And no matter how hard it all feels, Remember, we can do hard things. Until next time.